Hi, and welcome to the Caribou Projects podcast. Caribou Projects is a contemporary arts organisation situated in the heart of Bedminster in Bristol. In this podcast, we aim to explore the area around us and bring to light stories that are surprising, interesting, moving and uniquely rooted in Bristol. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the work of artists Savin de Boal and Sarah Bolton. We join them for a conversation that discusses the themes of the latest exhibition at Caribou Projects, Javasu, and takes a wider look at the relationship between the two artists' work. This episode concludes with a composition made from sounds recorded in the gallery during the exhibition using items found around Caribou, including Savinda's wonderful pineapple instruments. I was thinking we should mention this really nice microphone thing. Yes. Because it's made from tights and a coat hanger, is that right? And it is like sort of using something that's already in the world, which I was thinking kind of relates to your... um, some of your the stands that your works are on, yeah, and the wood that you find and things like that. Maybe you want to talk a bit about like your ideas on how you put put the stuff in the space and what you use. And yeah, um, I love that microphone. Um, well, microphone cover made of stockings and coat hangers. I think I'd like to borrow it for my next um, solo show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, often I find um, different objects around. I imagine myself to be a cinema pioneer, um, finding still images. And for me, objects are still images as well. Mm. And so a lot of the work in this um, exhibition involves found imagery and also found objects. Mm-hmm. And the stands for the instruments, they're made from recycled Wood. So pretty much everything in the show is um, found and altered in some way, and that's mm. quite important to me. Mm. And how do you see, I suppose, the sea monster? Was that found, or did you draw that? Uh, the sea monster is an amalgamation of images that I found mm-hmm. in books or on the internet, or also photography as well that i taken. So the sea monsters actually have pineapple leaves as part of their oh, fins that I've amazing. photographed oh, and pineapple tops from the instruments that have been used already so there's a lot of recycling and iterations of different things or echoes I guess mm, that's between really nice. the works yeah recycling yeah as you say um we talked a bit before didn't we about how the sea monster was like used in ancient maps to articulate gaps in knowledge um, where they didn't know what would be there, so they just drew, they just included a drawing of a sea monster, like, in the middle of these these seas, which I guess were also described with, like, little curly waves on these maps. Um, and I thought maybe a lot of our, both of our work kind of sort of does this thing where the, it, it surrounds, I guess, like, the gaps in knowledge and, like, it, you know, time passing and... I think one one thing we talked about was um, the pineapples. So in the, they were illustrated first, like what, yeah. 400 years before they were tasted? Yes, yeah, so they were illustrated in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. There were lots of lithographs and sketches of them, but they weren't readily available to the public until the early 1900s. So if you think that's quite a number of centuries where people had yeah. to imagine what yes. they tasted like, or even more... Um, for me, I'm kind of interested in 
where they imagined these things grew, mm. like what kind of lands, um, lands they were and what, yeah. what that would actually look like as yeah, well. Because yeah, yeah. if you imagine what a pineapple looks like, you know, that's one plant in this amazing um, place. Yeah, the that scene be. that they are imagining. Yeah, exactly. This kind of, I suppose the pineapple is like a, a symbol or like an object of imagination in a way. Um, and it still kind of is, I suppose. Yeah, um, I think it's extremely charged yeah, yeah, yeah. with imagination. Yeah. Maybe what we could talk about is um, how the the pineapple thing and how there were so many years between people knowing what it might look like versus knowing what it tasted like and that sort of gap that was just held for 400 years in people's minds or, or like in the minds of people, I guess. Um, and then I was thinking about the fictional element of these faraway lands and um, how actually last night we, I did a happening in the space of your show. And um, I mentioned that we, I would have liked to have done it in Sunshine Cafe down the road, which is actually where we just recorded some um, background noise this morning. And we had a lovely coffee. We had a lovely <laughs> coffee. Thank you very much, Sunshine Cafe. And, um, yeah, it was just quite interesting because it became, like, a fictional thing for people because it was in the context of, I suppose, an artwork. I don't know if that's what made it fictional or, I suppose, just because it wasn't here, we, you can't see it. Um, and so. also we're in, you know, Bristol, Bedminster, um, and there hasn't been a lot of sun, so it could be like, well, you know, that's why is there a cafe yeah. called the Sunshine Cafe? Yeah around here or is there even yeah and uh, some of the people last night were actually wanting to go and find it mm. to see if it actually existed which mm. I thought was quite interesting mm -hmm. and I think it, it's one of those things that it can manage to put everything into a possible fictional realm once you start thinking oh well is that real oh well maybe maybe caribou is also not a real character um, and so maybe you could talk a bit about how we chose to um, literally go with Caribou as a character to outline or frame your show and obviously this place is called Caribou and it's got its own narrative based on the, the myth of Princess Caribou anyway but I suppose that you choosing to work with that myth is a bit like you choosing to work with recycled pineapple leaves on your steam monsters and the recycled wood that you find on the street mm -hmm. I mean I identify with Princess Caribou because as I said I, I imagine myself to be a cinema pioneer so when I'm making my work, I actually become a cinema pioneer. And in a sense, I think that Princess Caribou also um, may have started off saying that she was a princess and then people started to be um, convinced by her as a princess and then she became that and then mm. she developed her own language and she developed her own alphabet and, and things like that that were actually authenticated by um, academics, <laughs> like she really managed to convince a lot of people at that time, which was the 1800s, mm -hmm. um, that she was from a faraway land, mm -hmm. land possibly of pineapples. In fact, she did insinuate that she came from a land where pineapples existed by pointing to a, um, a lithograph in a, in a local inn. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there is that nice link there. Do you think she was an artist? 
Oh, what is an artist? That's another. <laughs> I don't know if we should go down that road. <laughs> yeah, it's too late to ask her, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact also that, you know, she was actually a maid before that. And so she was mm. from a lower class and she could convince the upper middle classes that she was this princess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so there's so much about Princess Caribou that's rooted in the imagination that Absolutely. kind of links up this whole show with the sea monsters filling in gaps um, on medieval maps, for example, mm. um, pointing to the unknown. Mm. And then the pineapple instruments, the pineapples leading to imagination. Mm-hmm. And what else have we got here? We have uh, the, the flying machines. Yeah, well, I was going to kind of ask about those because um, they, what I find really interesting is that obviously you let, you invite people to carry them through the space and fly them themselves. Um, but also they're installed really beautifully, really intentionally, like in these wooden sort of frames and spaces. And you kind of, you can also imagine them working by, look, by looking at them. I mean, there's a lot you can't... It, they're amazing how they work. I still don't quite understand. But I think all of the work has this sort of seed-like element to it where you can see it and you can imagine it and you don't have to hear the pineapples. It's really amazing when you do, but that is something that I personally think is really great when art can do. You know, you, you see something and you can... It creates a huge open gap space in front of you for your mind to do the work, the rest of the work. So you can see the pineapples sitting there and you, you can kind of imagine them playing even if you don't hear it. And... Um, the same with the, the wings on the flying machines. Um, what is your sort of... Like, you do use quite a lot of paper in your work. Do you...? Yes, yeah. I, do, I do use a lot of paper. Um, Which, by the way, um, are the wings on the flying machines? They're they? the wings... Actually, they're the wings on the flying machines, but they're also the propellers are made of Japanese paper. Mm. So I'm very much interested in paper weights as well, so the weights of paper, because mm. obviously they do different things. As somebody who animates objects, yeah. um, uh, a lighter paper will flap in a different way. So the wings, or the images of the wings on the flying machines, um, move differently depending on what paperweights you put on them. So there's a lot of research there. Mm. Um, and also flight is a reoccurring theme in my work. I've also made a, a video of a flip book with identical images of a wing on it. Mm. And um, it, as you flick the book, it looks like the, the wing's flapping. Really? And that took me about six months to find the right paperweight to get wow. the, the, the pages going. So I really... That is my pursue as it yeah. were to to make um, movement yeah out of these images and often I end up using paper mm. Mm. and figuring out the exact the right weight that's really interesting yeah there, there's a technicality to it like if you know it's like for me there's almost something quite scientific about what I do as well mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. In my head, in yeah. my imaginary head. <laughs> I'm sure a scientist Well, I think disagree. you're an inventor. I remember yeah. we spoke before when you thought you said you were an inventor before cinema was invented. True, That's yes. what you said. I loved that. Yeah. I've written that down. But I thought um, we could talk about a little bit about our sort of coming together to working together. Yeah. And, yeah, I hadn't even thought about the wing thing because in one of my texts, so I wrote eight texts for Savinda's show, which was sort of 
related, but also my own work. But they they really work well, I think. Yeah, in there's the so many links between. There's our so work. many links, and um, the final one, which is just before you enter the space um, physically, is um, based on a story about a wing which I got and I coated in silver leaf and put in a back pocket of my rucksack before taking it on an aeroplane. Um, and I suppose my like a big part of my work is that I like to make things move as well and I achieve it in actions and, and gestures and stuff kind of private performances in a weird way but then I write it out I will write it up and I recount it in words and I feel like that's sort of also putting things together in quite a crafted way I suppose in order to like keep the wing moving in the writing as Mm -hmm. well as it's not just a documentation of this thing that happened it sort of keeps it going transfers it to a different space Um, and with your work you have to be there to experience it like yesterday's happening yeah it was so poetic if I can say that yeah that's the aim you know there are little echoes and gaps between people telling stories to one another I'm not going to say too much because mm-hmm. I think I quite like the fact that your work's so ephemeral but it also instigated so many conversations mm-hmm. that other people had about imagination yes um which was like so fantastic for me to to witness like these little interventions that you make mm-hmm. that started to create echoes and then ripples and then became something even bigger and then it dies down yeah. and then it starts again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I quite like. And again, that's what the, the flying machines do. They start flapping and then they... Yeah, exactly. You know, the movement goes to still and then... Yeah. Well, in all of my work, yeah. so... And it's related to the person that is... Um, it's related to the moment. In, in, in my work, it's literally related to the moment and the time and the evening. But it's also related to the moment of the person walking with this thing and then they stop so it's kind of about like yeah being present as well I think um and being held by the people that are experiencing it Mm. so literally with your work it's being held the wing the flying piece is being held and it's walking and then the human stops walking and then the piece stops working yeah um so it's yeah I suppose um a way of keeping things moving and people were saying yesterday about the being present that um, they didn't check their phones yesterday mm. and they're wondering whether that was just because they're in the gallery or because of the work That's great. because they wanted to verify certain things so someone said oh does, does Princess Caribou exist to someone who just asked me does <laughs> San- Sunshine Cafe exist and then there's a whole conversation normally if that was in a pub or something you'd look on your phone yeah and then maybe get distracted by a hundred other things and exactly scroll through something or other yeah so it was really great there was a beautiful moment about those phones though because people really Mm. wanted to check like fact and fiction Mm. and then they wouldn't and then they got to a point where we were all thinking are we just making things up anyway yeah all the time yeah what is like not what is real but yeah um, and that actually there's something quite refreshing that you could use your imagination. I think yeah. generally what's being insinuated is because of the phone mm-hmm. and being able to check that you're not allowing your imagination to take you somewhere. We would get really nervous if we're like, oh my God, you know, like, like I did. Like yeah. I, I can't remember when Princess Caribou was born, or for example, yeah, but yeah. does it matter? Not in the you context know? of... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. In, but in Google in, world, in Wikipedia world, it, it matters. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
it's like that thing of when there's a, a positive thing, like an answer or a, um, a fact or something, you feel that you have to glue yourself to that because it's, it's gluing itself to you. Whereas maybe if there was an open space, like a negative void or whatever, a gap, then um, it, it doesn't matter. It's like a, diff- it's a, a different sort of thinking and a different sort of interpretation or like level of productivity for the mind. I think it's really good. Mm. to have the open spaces and I think on that I think we do need a bit of a gap so let's record a gap that's a gap and a gap is what we wanted at the beginning was to have gaps because the first, the the reason you asked me to be involved was because you read that tweet about the gaps between the trees yes Um, I did and I loved it yeah which was um, someone breathing out between every gap in a particular row in these you know when you see like on a on a hill or lining two fields you see rows of trees um, that have gaps in them kind of evenly between um, and it's about a person walking between those trees and breathing out into every gap or every space um, but I think it was also the way I wrote it. You were quite... That was like... Wow. There's something about your work that allows me to imagine. I think that's why I kind of was insinuating yeah. that I liked. There's a lot of text works that I can't really... Um, I have to keep going over the sentences mm-hmm. over and over again. I don't really absorb them very well. But with your work, it just took me to places. I suppose it's because it's imagery. Yes, in a way. it is. It's, it's very text. similar what we do yeah. in, in different... Yeah. in different ways, yeah. if that makes any sense whatsoever. But um, often with your work, I can conjure up the image very, very quickly. And I've also made work with rows of trees mm-hmm. um, that I haven't actually put up, but I, I did um, work for about six months on wow. on trees and gaps. Yeah. So when I read what you written, it was like, oh, my God, this is the work. Yeah. <laughs> this is the person who can just carry on my work. Yeah, exactly.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Caribou Projects podcast. To find out more about us, please go to www.caribouprojects.com, follow us on the usual social media channels, or pop into visitors on Stafford Street in Bedminster. If you'd like to hear more of these podcasts, subscribe to our feed and you'll receive each episode as and when.